Uh, we could probably add Art Critic to our ever-growing list of titles for this yeah. podcast. Honest Andy's Discount Moon Show! Hello and welcome to The Lunatic Show. I'm Andy, your self-proclaimed moon expert, so to speak. And with me as ever is Rick, the voice of the everyman. Hello, I am everyman. <laughs> uh, I will be asking all the questions uh, that every man wants to know about moons. Yeah, just before we were recording, we were like, oh, should we come up with the term like non-mooner, non-moon guy? So, but then we thought mooner and non-mooner was not a good... No, fit. not a good description of what we do. And getting back to episode five of The Lunatic Show, let's start as ever with, how are you? I'm good, yes. What have I done this month? I have finally got round to completing Portal. Hey! <laughs> Playing and, and Portal 2 from, what is it, 2007? Yes. So I, it was on my to-do list for like 12 years uh, and it's got done. Did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, it was good fun actually. First thing actually, the first I heard of it was Portal the Flash game back in 2008 or something. <laughs> or I just like played, oh, it's like someone should make this 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was all a 2D game with all the portal mechanics and, you know, if you jump into a pit the port with the portal below it, the momentum will stay within the portal. And so it all works in 2D. Yeah. And I was generally thinking, oh, yeah, this would be great in 3D, uh, not realising the, <laughs> the actual game came first. And then I sort of searched into it in 2009 or whatever and saw, oh, there's this whole thing. Yeah. Like the cake is a lie and all yeah. that. And, and the XKCD cartoon talking about people who will play it like five years later and still be out of date. And so I saw that. Yeah. And then <laughs> still didn't care. And so, yeah, no, it was good. So 12 years later, completed Portal. Brilliant. And it's also moon related as well because there, there is moon stuff in Portal 2. In Portal 2, yes, there is. I was going to say. Well, I can spoil it now, surely. Oh yeah, I think, I th <laughs> the rule of thumb is for games, I think you give it a year. Whereas TV shows, you can't say anything within the first week or two. Right, and then it's good. No, yeah, well the ending of Portal 2 is you fire a portal at the moon. Sorry, yeah, to explain Portal, broadly it's a 3D... Oh, you don't think you need to explain yeah, it. If, yeah, if you okay, don't yeah, know what don't Portal know what is, is yeah. look it up, because it's going to be so much easier to explain. Uh, it's so much easier to, to just read about it and just look at examples yeah. than us explaining it via audio without any visuals. <laughs> But the, uh, yeah, so if you're stuck at the last bit, uh, you've got this far and you can't, uh, can't work out that last puzzle. Um, 12 years later, someone's just going to be clicking on this podcast going like, that's how you do it. That's it. They didn't think to look up walkthroughs online or tips for the last 12 years. I think even at that point in the game, you are forced to look up because it goes into a set sequence. Yeah. Um, so you can only fire the thing at the moon. That is like you've only, all they had to do was click. <laughs> <laughs> Have you unlocked any of the hidden things in Portal? I don't know. So what? For example, if you shoot a portal at the floor and the ceiling, you just keep falling forever. Yeah. You will eventually reach terminal velocity. Yes. And you get an achievement for that. Oh yeah, no, I should do that. No, I thought I won't go do, doing all those achievements. And I did look up all of them and think, oh, they're all probably doable. But time and energy. Give us another 12 years, you know, it'll be done. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I used to love about um, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games, because you could grind on everything, you could do tricks off certain things, and there was just like this huge list of achievements that was doable. But now that 
the games are so expansive, it's just like there's no way I can complete this unless I dedicate every waking hour to it. Right, so is it like go and find a zebra and do an ollie over them or something? Yeah, exactly right. that. <laughs> there like was that. a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, you could go around the zoo, you could do an ollie over the alligators. Right. Things like that. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed Portal and managed to complete it. What have you done this month? This month has been a very busy month for me. Uh, you may have heard that 20 new moons were discovered around Saturn. I have. I, uh, I saw it on Lunatic's Facebook feed and generally your channel. Yes, I was busy because I was actually involved in the press release for it. Ooh, I look did. at you. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> was that a bit of paper with crayon and you wrote 20 new moon Saturn? That's very in keeping with, no. with the style of the channel, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they sort of said, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do the press release, Andy, don't worry. Just stick stick to playing on paint. Yeah. Put more eyes on moons. Yeah. Just, just let them be. Now, I've got um, a correspondence going on with the guy who discovered them. His name's Scott Shepard. Notorious. The Scott Shepard. The Scott Shepard. As though... Well, I, I do know of him because you've mentioned him before. Uh, however, representing the voice of ignorance that's the audience, who is Scott Shepard and why is he a notorious moon hunter? So Scott Shepard has, I think, the record for the most moons found. Before this, it was up to something like 70. He, he, he spotted a lot of moons and a lot of planetary bodies. His field of expertise, looking at distant objects in the, in the solar system, trying to find dwarf planets, trying to find moons. I thought you were going to say his expertise is like pottery, but, <laughs> but he just looks up from the potter's wheels. Oh, there's, there's a moon. Uh, got so, a really, really keen moon yeah. sense. So this is, this is his full-time job, I guess. Yes. Right, yes, yeah, it okay. Is. It's not... Because I, I keep thinking like the gentleman scientist with a telescope and... I've seen a moon. It, 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 that's not how we do mo moon hunting nowadays. No, um, it is with deep optics and all sorts of techniques that I'm not very familiar with yet, but I will be when I do more research into it. So I have a correspondence going with him and I said, oh, next time you're going to go looking for moons, let me know. I'd like to come along, maybe record something for the channel, that kind of thing. And then I got an email back saying like, oh, by the way, 20 new moons have been discovered around Saturn. Thought you might want to know and maybe do a video too about it. Um, we, we... <laughs> that's, that, yeah, that's great. That I like the way. Next time you're looking for moons. I know, we've already found them, Andy. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't bother yourself. We found them. We've go back to your poxy little videos. We've, we've found the moons. We've done the heavy lifting here, boy. Yeah. So I got this news on a Friday and he said, oh, we announced this on Monday. So I was like, okay, have the weekend to do these two videos. One about the discovery and one about how to name the moons because it's going to be another public contest. I'll come back to that in a minute. But the problem is that Friday night, I was driving up to North Wales to surprise my mum for her birthday, which mean, meant that I couldn't be at my computer all weekend animating and editing and putting together the videos. So I was frantic thinking like how how the hell can I put this video together I'm gonna to have to take the laptop up I'm gonna to have to like record it in the garage I'm gonna to have to maybe just make all the slides at a service station on the way home because the internet up in North Wales is abysmal so I was frantically trying to figure out how the hell am I gonna do this and then I got an email the next day, having already stayed up until 1am, recording the audio for both videos and then editing it and then starting the animation process. Crashed out at one o'clock, woke up to an email that said, oh, by the way, I'm going on holiday next week. We're going to push back the release. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I managed to do a better job on the videos, make two decent videos that were included in the press release, and they're some of the most successful ones on the channel. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I did notice the, the ones that you did were decent. They weren't like sort of, oh, this is two hours before, you know, I go to bed on a tired <laughs> Friday night after a busy work week. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested to see the ones that you did whilst tired. Is it just you scribbling on a bit of paper, go, as moons, help me. <laughs> <laughs> They found moons, the men found moons, and the people, and naming the names. They're going to be the death of me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very tired. North Wales, help. Not, not quite that bad. Okay. It just basically let me, one, fact check them, because it turns out I said one or two things wrong. I was able to confirm a few theories of my own of where they came from. Thank you. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I had, I was like, oh, this sounds like it was part of the late heavy bombardment, but I'm not sure. Actually asked and he said yes it probably is so I was able to get some facts confirmed and do some research into what I could potentially name these moons because the 20 new moons of Saturn the public are allowed to name them all 20 of them as opposed to five last time because the last time they did this contest it was five for Jupiter's moons but now it's 20 for Saturn's moons are they basically just bored of <laughs> we, we've named so many here <laughs> just yeah whatever so yes being voice of the public I've got a great name for a moon, Andy. I've got a very good idea what this name will be. Is it? Uh, you'll never guess. It's Moony McMoonface. <laughs> oh, so funny. Yeah. Am I allowed to call it Moony McMoonface? You're not. You and every other person who's commented on this video is not allowed to call it that because there are certain rules in place. These moons were discovered in existing orbital groups that have naming conventions. And the groups that they were found in were the Inuit group, the Gallic group, and the Norse group. So 17 of these new, new moons are in the Norse group, and they have to be named after giants from Norse mythology. But there's loads of them. They're called Jotun in the actual Norse mythology, and there's hundreds of them. So you just find one that sounds cool and submit that as a name. Yeah, is that basically it? That's it. I, I just go to Wikipedia, I find some Norse giant called yep. Gragnar or something. So <laughs> how, how do I send it? Do I put it in a postcard or how do I physically, do I knock on the door of the institute? Where? How do I, how, <laughs> if I've got a name, how do I, as a member of the public? You tweet them. Last time when naming Jupiter's moons, they had a Twitter account called Jupiter Lunacy and you could tweet at them with hashtag name Jupiter's moons. They've done the same again for at Saturn Lunacy and hashtag name Saturn's moons. So you come up with a suggestion, fire it off in a tweet. Is that it? So that, if that I do, it. so I do Gragnar hashtag Saturn Lunacy, that's it. Tweet at Saturn Lunacy. That's right. I want to submit Gragnar as a name, hashtag name Saturn's moons. Right. And it'll be included. Cool. Is there a sort of a tie break of this is a great name because yeah, they want kind of encouraging creativity. So they're like, oh, photos and videos, things like that. Uh, that's more likely to get you picked. Because that's what happened last time. That's how I got my names picked. And also that's how others got theirs picked as well because they were a bit more creative with submissions. Oh, cool. Yes, that was, of course, you did a, a video. I did. Of um, uh, your moon names, which were? You for me and Philo Frozeny. That's it. So that was the Jupiter one. And then um, some children in Cornwall, was it? Yes. Had a, had a picture of a panda. Yes. They uh, found a name. I think it was the daughter of Zeus and Selene, um, or Selene. I forget how you pronounce it. That daughter's Pandia, who is, I think, goddess of the moon, something like that, or Greek moon deity of sorts. There's quite a few. 
Uh, this school also happens to sponsor a panda at London Zoo that they're, <laughs> that they're quite keen on, so they wanted to call it Pandia. Oh, cool. So basically, as a member of the public, I don't need to have any sort of astronomical qualifications whatsoever. I just need to be able to go through Wikipedia, find a, what is it, Norse, Gallic, or Inuit? Giant. Uh, giant. Oh, it has to be a giant. It has to be a giant. Or, well... So not a fairy or a well, nymph or other, <laughs> other you know, a, a mystical beast. It has to be a giant. Uh, no, you can have, like, giant beasts. One of the names I've submitted is Amarok, which is a giant wolf. In Inuit mythology, another one that I've submitted for the Norse mythology is a giant wolf called Managarm, who is theorised to swallow up the moon during Ragnarok, which is the Viking apocalypse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you've you got to have a job. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come the apocalypse, uh, we've put you down to uh, swallow the moon. That, you could do that, can't yeah. you, Ma yeah. Managarm? Uh, I'd rather, you know, be in charge of the chairs. No. <laughs> No, gotta do the moon. <laughs> well, we've all got our jobs in life. If I was a betting man, I'd go for the Norse group. If I was just to pick a, a thing, because there's 17 of them. Yep. So, uh, yeah, if the Norse group, I'm guessing if you find a giant who's a Norse, tweet it in, you might be a moon namer. Yeah, I'm a moon namer, and it feels pretty good. So, I want to talk about the Changi 4 mission, the one with the U-22 rover, because I'm going to make that joke again, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to land this time. Uh, but <laughs> it's already landed. Yeah, oh yeah, it has, it has. Uh, I want to talk about this little rover, because I saw its name doing the rounds again, and I thought, oh, have they found or released more images of the gel-like substance, which turned out to be meteor glass on the moon. But no, it was just saying that it's going to wake up. Can I just stop you there? Yep. It's going to wake up. Yeah. Being a robot, I thought robots don't need sleep. Why is it waking up? Why has it gone to sleep? So it's gone to sleep to conserve its batteries because this little rover is solar powered. So during the night, which lasts for 14 days on the moon, because the same side faces us every single time. So if you think about it, it's always facing the earth and it takes 28 days to go around. So it's gonna be illuminated for 14 of those days, and then it's gonna be in darkness for the other 14. So, so for 14 earth days. Yeah, 14 earth days. So a lunar day lasts 28 days. Now, it has a little nuclear power uh, generator on it, I believe. I think it's a nuclear power generator, but it also has batteries as well. And these batteries are charged during the lunar day, which is 14 Earth days, but to conserve power and to keep it going for longer, it powers down during the lunar night to conserve energy. Okay, cool. So it's gonna wake up? It is gonna wake up, and it's gonna do more traveling, and it's gonna poodle around a bit more. Now, originally, this rover was only designed to last for three lunar days, so that's about three months. But based on the last rover, U21, or just U2 rover, it kind of bottled out after a couple of lunar days. So they're like, no, we want to make it better. So while this was planned for three lunar days, it's going to last probably a few years. Which, wow. Yeah, which is quite incredible. So I thought, well, it's lasted 10 lunar days so far which is, as of recording, it is now 289 days into the mission, and it is quite close to taking the record. Do you know the name of the moon rover that has the record? Without looking at the notes? Without looking... Yeah, I was going to say, I could cheat very, very easily. <laughs> it's, uh, it's held by Lunokhod 1, I think that's how you pronounce it, which is a Soviet moon rover that was launched in 1970 as part of the Lunar 17 mission. So this took aboard Lunar Card 1 
as a moon rover, and I believe it was the first ever moon rover. So, not only, in 1970. In 1970. Wow. Is it, and it's still going? It's not still going. <laughs> right. That oh, no, because otherwise it wouldn't break, that, that would have the record. That would be amazing yeah. if it was. Uh, no, this has the record for 321 Earth days. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's quite quite incredible. It travelled ten and a half kilometers. Cool. Over over those days, which is remarkable, really. That was just a coffee machine. There's some beeping in the studio. I was like, oh, we're talking about robotics and uh, yeah, getting heckled by a coffee machine. Uh, I think you'll find yeah. that it was actually 322 days. Yeah. Us robots all know this. Yeah. Lunar card. I remember it well. We used to have a thing back in the day. <laughs> He's gone to the moon. I'm stuck making Andy coffee. Does a good job though. Yeah, it, it went ten and a half kilometers in its lifetime, which is quite something. I think the U22 rover has only gone, I think, a few hundred meters. It hasn't gone that far. Well, it's just getting started. Well, yeah. If, it, if it's going to last 10 years or whatever you say, then... Is it is its mission to go over to uh, Lunacod and just kick it a bit and say, <laughs> I'm the record holder now. You're a scummy robot, you. Look at you, immobile. Or it could do, like, robot CPR? Uh, what is it? Defibrillation? Yeah. It could use some of its batteries right off to the, the Chinese and say, <laughs> go, go and resurrect this one from the 70s. This has actually happened so to speak. Not with a robot saving another robot. What, with people? No. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Buzz Aldrin's still up there. If only. If only. He died on the first mission, Apollo 14, 15, 16. Were actually a cover-up just to bring him back. Oh no, no more lunar conspiracies. <laughs> so what happened to Lunacod 2? It was planned to go for a much further distance. In fact, that has the record for the most distance travelled on the moon. And it only lasted a few months and it would have gone further but what happened was it went past like a crater rim and it knocked it and all this dust flew over the solar panels. There's no wind on the moon. Yeah. It smothered it basically. And the dust also caused the electronics to overheat because the dust was a great insulator. The last um, transmission back, all the electronics were like overheating, overheating, overheating. So they lost contact because I think it burnt out. Oh, wow. But... This happened on Mars as well. It was one of the rovers, I think it was Curiosity, or one of the rovers, and it was a particularly bad dust storm. It got covered in dust, and it was losing signal. It was like, oh no, this is, this is it. It's going, it's going. Well, it was a good mission. They were like, about to play the last post, and then a, basically a tornado flew past it, brushed all the dust off, batteries recharged immediately. Oh, wow. And it saved it. So, yeah, Mars has weather. Yeah. Oh, right, cool. Well, yeah, it's got a climate. It's got... You can actually see tornadoes from space. They've been imaged. So you'll see, like, the shadows of the tornado across the surface. And you can actually see dust storms from space. I'll put a link in the show notes for this. You can actually see the clouds on Mars and just, like, the, the storms going... The dust storms going overhead. Maybe not water, because there's no liquid water, so to speak. Or not enough for, like clouds and weather that we see, but there is certainly dust storms across the planet. Oh, well, I've learned something already. Excellent. It's taken like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. So I really hope U22 manages to break this record. It's only just over 30 days away from actually smashing the record. So I hope they actually manage to achieve it. So by next podcast. Oh yeah. By next podcast, we'll, we'll be able to hopefully celebrate a success. Another excuse for cake. <laughs> so speaking of moon rovers, the UK actually has announced its first ever moon rover. Hey. Hey. 
For international listeners, that was British people getting incredibly excited. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're over the moon. <laughs> that is literally the most we're illegally allowed to applaud or cheer or show any sort of emotion. Absolutely, unless you're in the House of Commons, of course. Yes. At which point you have to act like schoolboys having an argument. Yeah, there's nothing going on in the House of Commons at the moment. Oh, no, no, today it's quite quiet. But we have, the UK has announced its first ever moon rover, and it's called Walking Rover. Hey, what a fantastic, brilliant name. The naming committee pushed themselves out on that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, we did complain like a few episodes ago about ESA's dodgy acronyms. Yeah. So m- maybe they listened to this and said, no, we, we better not annoy the lunatic podcast. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just literally call it the thing it is. It's like in the army when they gave us the ration packs and it's like the brown biscuits are called Biscuits Brown. <laughs> and, and the fruit biscuits are called Biscuits Fruit. Well, it's good to be to the point. Yeah, that was it. It was like, can you not just give it a little brand name or, or something? Yeah. No. no, Walking Rover. Yeah, I mean, I know why it's called that. It's because it's a box with legs and it is a walking rover. But come on, call it something like Moon Spider or something cool, maybe even after a Latin spider. The Tarantula. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just literally any sort of anything, even Walkie McWalkface, arguably. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm against that stupid naming convention. You know, it's a joke that's gone past its date, but I would allow it in this sort of <laughs> sense just to yeah. bring it a bit more, a uh, bit less vanilla. Can we what? have a naming contest? For this? <laughs> yeah, can we just start one? <laughs> just, just tweet the organisation, say, I've got, I've got a nomination for the better name. Yes! Absolutely. Right, okay. Just launch it as a a competition. So we're going to start a competition for this. We'll use my Twitter account, so at Lunatic. Tweet your names for the walking rover, because it is just basically a box with legs. With walking legs, I'll put a picture in the show notes. Tweet your name suggestions for this with the hashtag NameWalkingRover. Yes, just help out the British there. The the naming committee will sit down and... I should point out, though, that this isn't uh, like a publicly funded robot. This is made by a company called Spacebit. That's a good name. Space... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they've not called it Space Company. (laughs) (laughs) They're a a British private space company called Spacebit, and they have teamed up with a US robotics company called called Astrobotic, and they are going to have the lander. So Astrobotic are going to create the lander, and Spacebit are going to create the walker that's going to go on the lander. The lander's also going to take up lots of other equipment as well. I think 13 other probes as well as the walking rover. So this is good. they're basically just going to dump a swarm of robots onto the surface. <laughs> is, it, is it like Hunger Games, but for robots? Oh! <gasps> Yes. <laughs> Could we send up Hypnodisc? Yeah. yeah. Just... Moon-based robot wars. <laughs> that would be epic. <laughs> just all these other countries have spent millions on uh, developing their robot to do science. <laughs> and Britain just sends Hypnodisc. It's like, oh, sorry, we thought it was robot wars. We've just mashed all your robots. Sorry. We've, we've, but uh... we won. Yeah, we did one. <laughs> oh, Hypnodisc would absolutely tear the legs off this as well. And, but the walking one would have double the weight limit as well. Because you had a weight limit of 100 kilograms, but walkers could have 200 kilograms. That is nerd. That, that, <laughs> we, we've talked about your uh, yeah, Robot Wars fetish. For, for fetish? Predilection, I think. Yeah. Going, going through your teenage years. Yes. <laughs> I think fetish is too strong a word. Yeah. but I, I, You entered a robot competition, so... Yeah, yeah. and, and I, used, I did used to build robots out of Kinex and have my own little Robot Wars contest. Oh, you didn't hit the word, did you? 
No, my own personal ones. Oh, cool. I didn't hear uh, We didn't talk about that. Oh, they were just made out of Lego. They weren't anything amazing. Like, I wasn't there welding at age yeah. of, age 12 trying to build this amazing robot. Did you then fight them? Was it yeah. like you and a mate? And... Me and my brother. Oh, cool. Yeah. Could you yeah. actually smash the Lego? Or was it like more push them out of a ring or something? So we came up with rules and it was a case of if bits fall off, then that counts as like damage because you'd have like Lego, like pullback motors kind of thing. So we'd like push them into each other if they flipped. That was, they're out unless you put a Shremek on them. Right. Uh, we, my, my dad actually built a wooden arena for us as kids. So we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. And um, so we had like a pit, we had the corner patrol zones. We had loads going How on. How big was the... Uh... Uh, I think two two meters by two meters. Oh, cool! So it's fairly big. Yeah, oh, that's good. It was a it was a very proud dad moment when he unveiled it, and then mum was just like, "Where are we going to keep it?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately raining on the parade. Have you still got it? Um, I think I might have actually. I think it might be in. He's either scrapped it for firewood, or it's still in the garage. If it is, I'll ask him to take a photo of it, and I'll yeah. put it in the show notes. Yeah. If there's no photo, then it's been burned. It didn't exist, and it was just a childhood fantasy. Did someone dress up in like a beard and pretend to be Doctor Noel Sharkey? No, no, they didn't. We should have. We should have got <laughs> mum, mum, put, put on the beard, put on the beard. No, I'm, I'm trying to do something here, Andrew. No, mum, but we need an adjudication. <laughs> I'm trying to balance the family accounts, do dinner, and make the household run while you lot are playing bloody robot wars. I'm certain this counts as damage, Mum. Just like, yeah, but we're overdrawn. We need, <laughs> we need to get this sorted. But, but he didn't put a Shremek on it. <laughs> Going back to the walking rover, I think this little robot, uh, which is only going to be about one and a half kilograms, so it's it's not heavy at all. It looks like one of two things to me. It looks like the creepy doll head from Toy Story, the one with the spider legs. Yeah. And it also looks like the head for, that grew arms and legs from the thing. John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, I, I assume these will go on the show notes. They will. Yeah, because I, yeah, I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's the spider demon from Doom. Okay. I was going to say you can Google that now. But yeah. um, So I kind of think, hang on, the only moons I know, apart from the moon, are the ones from Doom. The ones I knew from the beginning of the podcast were Phobos and Demnos. Yes. And now we're sending spider demons up there. This just sounds like an origin story. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. It does look a lot like them. You're right. Especially that one. Is there a minigun on the one they're sending up? Uh, there isn't a minigun, unfortunately. However, it does have a camera. <laughs> that would be a lot easier boss to defeat. <laughs> where you're firing plasma guns at it and it's just taking photos. I wonder if it'll be like, like that company that taped the GoPro to the satellite, the one that yeah. you were talking about yes. or worked for. It might be something like that. So yeah, I like how it's come back around to Doom again. Yeah. So most rovers have wheels, yes, because they're simple. This, uh, they work. That's similar to how cars work, for example. We yes. don't have cars with legs because uh, that would be uh, robotically challenging. So I'm guessing the legs make it more able to deal with terrain. Absolutely, yeah. The the wheels. This was actually an issue with the U two two rover because they have to make it really light. They can't make the wheels too robust. So this means the wear and tear on the surface might get the better of them. So they haven't, they're not solid wheels. They're kind of just like panels. There's lots of gaps in them. So they might get stuck on a, on a rock. They might get stuck just on a crater. They, they, they might get stuck, but this walker allows them not only to navigate difficult terrain, it allows them to go into caves and tubes, which is quite incredible um, because there will be lava tubes on the moon. There's lava tubes everywhere where there was 
volcanicity. What's it? Uh, sorry, what's a lava tube? So a lava tube is when the lava is cooling, um, when it's exposed to the air, it's going to cool down quicker. So that turns to rock. But if you've got a lot of lava, the bit in the middle is still going to be liquid. So the stuff on the outside is rock, but the middle is liquid. What's going to happen is it stays as a cave and the lava drains out of it. So And it leaves behind a tube and a cave. Oh, cool. At some point, though, presumably the top gets knocked off or... There'll be erosion, so they might get knocked off. Well, yeah. How does it get in otherwise if it's... Okay. So there's been an eruption. Yeah. You've got a, a lot of lava coming down like a hill. Yeah. So you've got lava 10 metres deep. Top cools. Yeah. The stuff at the bottom is going to drain out and that's going to keep on going. So if I'm on the top walking across this rock solid stuff how do i dig in and kick my way in you could do but there will be an exit and entry point for these caves as well okay like i've actually been to some in america they, they were the tubes um were actually part of a river so they were originally a lava tube but then the river formed and goes through these tubes now but it looks amazing oh cool this is getting suspiciously like the minecraft podcast <laughs> and lava flows and how it interacts with rivers. Yeah, we talked about Portal. Now, yeah. we're, now we've talked about Minecraft and Doom. I, I'm not a gamer at all, but yeah, this is swiftly coming into a gaming podcast. So back to the walking rover with the excellent name. Uh, it's going to be launched in 2022, I believe. It's one of these like private endeavours. So we'll come back in three years and hopefully the UK will have finally got something on the moon because this isn't the first time the uk has actually tried to get something on the moon no that was the tried to help the israelis wasn't it that that was that was isa ah, right. the european space agency ah. that we're part of yeah. but as like a sole british endeavor oh, right. britain has tried to get to the moon but failed spectacularly Yay. Yay. go britain so one of which was called Lunar Mission One, which was, I think it was a Kickstarter. <laughs> there it was, it was a Kickstarter. Just the level of effort and, and professionalism that the, uh, the British moon attempts take. Oh, we'll, st we'll have a Kickstarter. Okay, so we'll do good artwork, it'll get funded. This is two guys in the pub drinking too much. It's like, we're going to the moon, I promise you. How, Tim? Oh, a Kickstarter? Patreon. If Kickstarter doesn't work, we'll do Patreon. Yeah, we'll get them. Backers, $3 per mile. But yes, Lunar Mission 1 started in 2014 as a Kickstarter fund. And the plan was, we're going to send a robot to the moon. It's going to bore down into the surface on the dark side of the moon to get more samples. And then I think it was meant to come back. They, they, they didn't really flesh it out. They just said, oh, we're going to go to the moon, bore a hole, get some samples, and then maybe bring them back. But while they were going to bore a hole, they were going to let you put your own personal time capsule in this hole. So you could upload family photos, you could give some of your hair and DNA, like what that guy did with the tardigrades on the moon. Yeah, I saw this. You can pay on sort of Kickstarter to go and pollute the moon. Yeah. <laughs> pollute the moon is, is a great way of describing it. 500 quid were these time capsules. You can put your favourite songs, favourite videos, basically a USB stick yeah. full of stuff. Put that on the moon with some hair samples and whatever, and that's your time capsule on the moon. But thankfully... This mission never came to be because it was closed down due to tax reasons. And what were they, Andy? So HMRC slapped the company with a huge VAT bill. I know it well. I'm self-employed. <laughs> Every three months I go, oh yeah, by the way, you owe us £5,000. Oh yeah, yeah, I do, don't I? Yeah. Damn it, that Twix I bought yeah. <laughs> has come it. back to bite me. Yeah, you get used to it after a while that 
you know, the tax authorities have to charge you tax. Yeah. So, what, yeah, what was the logic of... Well, I, th- I could try and explain it, but having already dealt with VAT and you know the words better than I do, can you explain oh, it? Right. Okay, yeah. Broadly, so VAT is a value-added tax, so it's a tax on any sale. Of, oh, I know uh, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, starting from the base, <laughs> tax on any sale uh, that adds value. So if you buy, I don't know, a widget for £10 and then you polish it up a bit and sell it, the widget on for 15 you've added £5 worth of value. So you pay nominally five, uh, 20% to increase in value. So 20% on five quid. So HMRC took the view of, well, you're going to the, the moon, so you're selling time capsule things. Yeah. You've taken basically nothing and you've created value of 500 quid per time capsule. So we'll charge you 20% on 500 quid. Uh, so £100 per sale you've made. Thanks. Yeah. It, it was of that order. I think it was £90,000 they wanted. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that was as though someone's, an accountant has just kind of looked at this and said that that's literally what it is. When I first read it, though, I did, I'll be honest, I thought, well, have you ever gone on to Kickstarter? I don't know if anyone or in HMRC has, but broadly, yeah, I suppose you are buying a service, but it was more, let's just fund the mission and it may not work because it's inherently risky. Yeah. Um, which means it's a capital expense. So if you're buying, say, shares in a factory that makes widgets, you're not actually buying a widget itself. And HMRC will say, okay, that's fine. You're investing in the company or the country or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we won't charge you VAT on that. Uh, so they were arguing it's a capital expense because, uh, you never know, it's, it, they might not actually get a time capsule on the moon. Yeah. Which, which to be fair, yes, is probably correct. Whereas H, HMRC are saying, well, no, you've sold a thing for yes. 500 quid. Therefore, it's uh, it's VAT. The analogy they used was uh, vouchers. That's that because if you go into a shop and you buy a gift card, you pay VAT on the gift card. You haven't physically bought a thing. You are buying something for someone else. So that in a way, that's kind of like capital that they're going to then spend but because they are getting a tangible thing at the end of it, it's a voucher, yeah. which can be taxed. And that's how HMRC came down on these guys. I would say though, broadly, if you buy a voucher from, I don't know, M&S or something, you, you will get something for that voucher. Yes. Whereas if you say, oh, you're gonna to go to the moon, I if I was giving 500 quid to these guys, I wouldn't expect a guaranteed result, <laughs> let's be honest. Not, not against their professionalism, just because getting to the moon is bloody difficult. It is. And, you know, as per, what was it, the Indian mission the other uh, week or month. Everything fine, and just the last minute it went wrong. Yeah. So there's a, there's a high level of risk on it. You can see the argument while they're saying that's oh, a capital expense. It's a, it's a risky proposition. It's not a... Or it's a donation to a sort of semi-charitable type effort. So I think they're appealing it. Yeah, but this was back in 2014. It's, it's, been, it's, it's been five years. Oh, right. They're not, not going to. Or they're, they're, they will probably do their legal paperwork a bit better this time. If they're going to try again, yes, they're going to have to really step it up a gear. Yeah. So now that we have a solid plan that's not involving Kickstarter to get to the moon, hopefully we'll be able to get there within three years with a rover with a better name. I've got a suggestion. Can we call it Jimmy Carr? Because it's kind of like a car because it goes around, but also it was sort of enabled by tax avoidance. (laughs) (laughs) That's mean, but true. Well, we didn't get to do it last podcast, but we will this time because it's now time for Moon of the Month. Hey, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, I, Delayed enthusiasm. Yeah, I didn't know. We, what, what do we do for Moon of the Month? It's been so long. Uh, moon of the Month. This month is the Hunter's Moon. Fantastic. 
so called by the Anglo-Saxons because apparently this is the month where game is fattened and it's time to start preparing for the coming winter. So you fatten up your livestock, get ready to batten the hatches and feast over the winter. Uh, there are other names for it, many other names actually, but my personal favorite was Dying Grass Moon. Why is it called that then, Andy? Because uh, the grass dies around this time of year. Yeah, fair one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trees, plants and leaves are therefore dying during the winter season, hence dying grass moon. When I first looked this up for, oh, it's the hunter's moon, it's hunters with an apostrophe, and hunter is a name in America. It's like quite a popular name. It's the first time I ever heard it was in Paranormal Activity 2 when they called the kid Hunter. And I thought, that's an odd name for a child. And ever since then, I just heard it all over the place. Like people calling their child Hunter. Yeah, it's a all right name. Uh, but it is yeah. an all right name. I'm not crit criticizing yeah, I'm just the thinking of other names that are professional. I mean, surnames are traditionally professions. Like, yeah. you know, uh, any Smith is a blacksmith or... Uh, John Constable. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, any other Smith. Uh, Harry Potter, presumably. Taylor. There's loads. It. But Hunter as a first name, you're kind of like painting that kid into a corner for what profession they're going down in. Uh, well, I don't think you have to. <laughs> it's not... No, that's the rule in America. Yeah. <laughs> Nominative determinism or... But yeah, they're not calling their kids vlogger. They're not calling their kids banker or yeah. tax avoider. Advertising executive Smith, come here. <laughs> but yeah, when I read Hunter's Moon, I thought, who is Hunter and why does he get to have a moon named after him? But then a little digging made me realise, oh, it's actually hunting. It is the moon for the hunters. The, the, I think they've put the apostrophe in the wrong place because there's more than one hunter. Oh, so should the apostrophe, so it would be hunters... Uh... It's possessive of a plural, so hunters apostrophe moon. Okay. It implies there was literally only one hunter, which is probably true nowadays, because, you know, we don't, we, if we want food, we go to the supermarket. <laughs> so maybe they have updated and they've done a census, and like literally there was only one person hunting um, who needs this moon somewhere out near Stow-on-the-Wold. Uh, there's a guy called Gary who just shoots wild boars, and he, hey, he hasn't bought a torch. You know more about naming moons, so uh, uh, you, you should know this. It reminded me also of Hunter's Chicken. You know, if you go to the pub, you get Hunter's Chicken. Yeah. And it's just like, if you're a hunter and you come back with a chicken, it's like, <laughs> what, what the hell have you done? Because chickens are domesticated, so you've just gone out to the garden and just shot your own chicken. Or your neighbours. Like, you're not a hunter, you're just a thief or an idiot. <laughs> We, we have a family of 17, John, and you come back with one measly chicken. Yeah. Oh, it's got barbecue sauce and bacon on it. Yeah. Right, hang on, where do you get the bacon? <laughs> Once again, a pig, that's a domestic uh, animal. And you cured it for two weeks to yeah. get this bacon. <laughs> that always confused me. Why is it called Hunter's Chicken? Because it is chicken, barbecue sauce, cheese, and bacon. That is not traditional or like ornate that you would equate with the word hunter that's just like pub grub yeah it, uh, it, call it about, pub chicken yeah well it should be called like yeah generic pub stuff because barbecue sauces that's, that's got that's, nothing yeah. to do with hunters no but it's like the plowman's that's not eaten by plowman's that was developed by the uh, cheese marketing board really yeah i didn't i, I didn't know i don't like plowman sandwiches Oh, right. so, I, so I've never had one, never considered it. So what's in a plowman's? It's generally a plate of things like salad, cheese, bread, pickled eggs, 
No, that's pickled why. Pickled eggs, and, um, pickled onions, chutney. It's just a selection of stuff. Main thing being cheese and what can go with cheese. So okay. the cheese marketing board says, how, how can we sell cheese in a pub in big wadges? Well, give them stuff to go with it, right? Here's your salads and chutneys and breads. Yeah. Who would eat this? Well, a plowman. There's a nice traditional, uh, traditional name. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see it. When I, when I worked in a pub, I was putting away like the plates and whatnot, and the chef was devising a menu, and then he perked up and was just like, oh, what, what would you like as a starter? I was like, oh, I quite like chicken and chorizo. I was like, that's a good idea. Full of salt, make people drink more. And I felt quite devious then. I was like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Did they then call it like the, the sailor's chicken chorizo thing? Uh, no. Nope, sailor's called- dinner. Just called it chicken and chorizo. Oh, okay. P.S. Please drink more. <laughs> very local moon news now. Yes, very local moon news. Uh, I use Facebook and the local newspapers in America to try and find some stories. And it's been a bit dry in terms of news. There hasn't been anything major or anything that I really want to make jokes about. There have been some tragedies that I thought, no, we'll, we won't, <laughs> won't joke about that. Um, one of the pages I do follow, though, is the Moon Township Police Department from Pennsylvania. And this caught my attention because as a pinned post, so you, you go onto the page and the first thing you see is, be advised this page is not monitored 24-7. Dial 412 blah 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 or 911 for emergencies to report a crime. I like the idea of having to open up Facebook Messenger to report a crime, like, hello, Help, I'm being murdered. <laughs> Brownie face. <laughs> Scene 1048, no reply. <laughs> set up like a crime scene investigation event and then set, <laughs> set the location set the location as your house and see invite the police. <laughs> and they'll just reply with interested as opposed to going. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We might have something else on. <laughs> There might be a, a sexier murder down the road yeah. that we have to attend. We'll call it last minute, you know, just if we've got nothing else on, we'll go to this, we'll go to this crime. But. However, the police department are more than happy to invite you to be a friend on Candy Crush Saga. <laughs> yes. Yeah, when you get the like police department have ploughed a field in Farmville, if you join as well. And don't get, commit a crime. Yeah, and don't commit a crime, you get a plough or something. <laughs> uh, once again, yeah, going to Candy Crush Saga in Farmville. So uh, welcome to the Computer Games Moon podcast. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. So, we have been to a museum. Yay! Yay. End of that section. <laughs> um, yeah, we went to go to Gloucester Cathedral to see the Moon Museum, which is a big replica of the moon. Uh, we actually took some recording while we were there, and we're going to play it for you now. It may or may not work. Our expensive outdoor recording kit is um, very similar to the inexpensive indoor recording kit we use. We will see. It's probably just (laughs) full of echoes of children um, shouting around Gloucester. But yeah, let's see what happens. So we're at the Museum of the Moon or the Moon Museum, whatever you want to call it, at Gloucester Cathedral, looking up at the, I think, east side of the moon at the moment. And it's uh, quite striking, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just confused by the east side of the moon. I didn't know moons face compass points. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking at yeah. the moon yeah. and you had like the west side and the east side. Oh, I got it wrong. We're looking at the west side. West side. The moon. <laughs> <laughs> so when you walk in, you'll see the facing side of the moon, which is here. So this is the one that you'll recognise. 
Yeah, that's the proper moon. That so is we, that, that. That's our moon. Yes, definitely. That's our side. It's unmistakable. So this is the side that's always facing Earth because our moon is tidally locked. We were just standing on the west side and the far side of the moon is actually a really good clarity as well. Is that genuinely what they call it, like the compass points of the... Uh, no, the north side? Oh, right, that, that, that's me just right. adding some colloquialisms. Is right. that the phrase? But yeah, that's the west side, that's the east side. I don't, they probably do have some fancy Latin name that I don't know. Far side, near side. Near side is facing us. Far side, everyone knows far side and dark side of the moon. Um, but these, this was compiled using images taken from the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter. Yeah, and then they put them to the stitch them together and what, what is it on? It's not paper mache. It's <laughs> God, that would be so heavy if it was. Uh, I think it is just like light canvas. Now it doesn't say what it was made from, but its scale is one to 500,000. Each centimeter of that surface covers five kilometers. Wow, those, yeah, okay. <laughs> those craters are big then. They're massive. I haven't, haven't quite realized. Yeah. yeah, during the Apollo 11 landings, as they were coming down, they were like, oh no, we're gonna land in a crater. You couldn't see the crater that they tried to land on from here because it's so tiny, but if they'd have landed there, they wouldn't have got out. Right, okay. So it is basically a very spotty teenager on the moon. <laughs> spots uh, within spots. It's acne riddled. Yeah. You get, there's, there's some stunning examples on the other side, but you get craters that are so big, they're known as basins. So the dark patches are basins. There's a great example up at the top there. Um, that was a crater that was filled with lava. Okay. And you can see here, the, on the front of the moon, that the white crater there in the yeah. bottom half, yeah. that's known as the Tycho Crater, and you can see the streaks going across the moon. Yes, yeah. That must be, yeah, that's a few hundred kilometres or something. Easily, yeah. And that's known as something called a complex crater because if you look in the middle, it's got like a little peak. Yeah. And that's when the impact is so great that some of the rock from the bottom of the impact shoots up. It's kind of like, um, a, like Newton's law of reaction. Like if you throw a rock in a pond yes. and the, the water coalesces around. Exactly that. So last time I came to have a look around here, there were more people doing the Leaning Tower of Pisa, trying to hold up the moon. Cool, yeah, we should probably describe how big it is. Uh, yeah, it is massive. Four people high? Easily. Probably look. Well, it's 21 metres across. Is that oh, right? So I'd say... This is the model moon, not the real moon. No, the, the real moon is real not moon. 21. It's a bit bigger than 21 metres. So at the bottom of the moon, there's a great example of what's known as crater dating. So if you look at that crater, and it's got some little ones in the middle of it, yeah. but then you've got some other craters that have smashed into the rim of it, and you're able to date when certain impacts have happened on the moon. And then there's this thing called saturation, crater mm -hmm. saturation, when the surface is so covered in craters, you can't tell yeah. when the, where the old craters were anymore. Whereas the lunar, the basins, the dark patches that are filled up with lava, they don't have a lot of craters in it. So that means that part of the surface is younger yeah. than the heavily cratered bottom of the moon. Should we go look at the dark side? Yeah, yes. Let's see. I'm hoping to see Pink Floyd. <laughs> so the dark far side of the moon looks a lot like Mercury. Um, As in the planet or yeah, the yeah. Uh, element? Um, both. <laughs> 
So yeah, it, like the planet Mercury is covered in craters and looks just like that. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I do not recognise that. Yeah. That as a picture at all. So, and it's in really good clarity as well. So this is all taken using the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter. And so their images are really, really high depth. Yeah, it's quite something, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's good. So the Changi 4 mission is yeah. exploring the... All of it. Well, not all of it. <laughs> they're, they're exploring the far side of the moon. Yeah. Um, and they are looking at something called the South Pole Aitken Basin, which is towards the bottom of the planet. So you can actually see this darker patch at the bottom. Yeah. That is one huge impact. Yeah, it looks a bit flatter than the, uh, than the rest. Yeah, that is one huge impact that happened years ago and there have been more and more craters since and there's not really, not a lot known about it. And this may have like shaped the moon as we know it. So there's a lot of research going on there. And that's where the Changi 4 mission is and where the U22 rover is. Mm. Okay, so that was us in the museum, maybe. Yeah, we, we haven't listened to it back nor edited it, so it could have gone well or not. <laughs> so what do you think of the Moon Museum now that you've had some time to let it sink in? Yeah, it was good. I mean, I'd argue it's a, not a museum. It was a sort of thing of the moon, unless we missed all the museum bit. There was a volunteer with a leaflet. Right, okay, cool. <laughs> that was the museum, yeah. A museum with one exhibit, I argue, is probably not a museum. But no, no, I mean, it was a big moon. And no, it was really good. What I liked was the, the far side of the moon, which you don't really ever get to see. Because yeah. when, you, when you're looking at the main side, you can say, wow, that's the moon. Yeah, exactly. I recognise it. And then the far side, it's, what's this foreign object? Yeah. What, what the hell is this? It's, uh, it, and it is quite striking when you see it. Yeah, because it was... Uh, 21 metres across. We have established... We have confirm this now. On the clip you may or may not hear us arguing about how big it is. It'll probably get cut. Right. But yeah, no, it was really good to go and see it, especially as it's only over the road for you yeah, and, yeah. and me. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't come from Australia or anything to come and see it. Well, you don't need to because the, the moon has toured all over the world. It's gone... <laughs> As in this model of the moon. This the moon one. also has as well, yeah. This this model of the moon has toured the world. There's like videos of it in Dubai. It has been to Australia. Pretty sure it's been to like Sydney. It's been amazing. And next week it's going to Birkenhead. Wow. <laughs> what, what a lucky, lucky moon. And I, I'm allowed to slag off Birkenhead because my family are from there. And I was raised, practically raised in Birkenhead because uh, mum had to go see her family every weekend and got I got dragged along, which is why I have a slight Scouse accent occasionally and certain words like work. Like, yeah, might Calm down. Yes, that one gets trotted out quite often. It, like whenever this happens and I'll say something like work uh, while I'm actually at work and a Scouse word slips out, it's like the scene from Finding Nemo where all the seagulls start repeating that one word because they'll be like <laughs> work, 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 I said work, work. They do 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 do. If you get the chance to go see the Museum of the Moon, I would strongly recommend it because it is quite fantastic. And if you're thinking of recording there, uh, might give it a miss. Or you never know. Go at a quieter time. Yeah. What I did like though was that you got this amazing model of the moon with a, a significant engineering effort just to keep it up because there's you know, like cables and stuff yeah. going on. And there was just like three-year-old kids playing with the barriers. <laughs> just like the ribbon barriers you get in banks and stuff. It was like just <laughs> no interest in this gigantic moon. It was like, oh yeah, this 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 barrier tape is, uh, if you move it, it moves back. It's the equivalent 
equivalent of playing with the box, not the toy. Yeah, I should have got like a video, sort of the amazing moon and some kid just <laughs> looking at a tile on the floor. Oh, can you really deal with the GDPR headache though? Well, yeah, there, there is that. You start filming other people's kids. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, though, that there is a museum on the moon? Uh, I didn't, no. Is this part of the pay 500 quid and you can have a, a thing on the moon? No, this is not a hypothetical promise of getting to spit on the moon. No, this is an actual museum on the moon. Really? Yeah. It's what, a building with a, an entrance hall and a lobby and... Gift shop. Fully work, yeah, gift shop. Uh, no, not quite. Yeah, okay. It is a collection of artwork that has been etched onto a ceramic wafer, so a small tile. It is two centimetres by one and a bit centimetres, so it is tiny, and it's embedded into one of the legs that one of the lunar landers intrepid in fact uh, which looks like the eagle you know the eagle has landed uh, which is part of the apollo 12 missions so there is an actual honest to god museum in inverted quotes on the moon and it is a collection of artworks six artworks from they are proper artists as well yeah they're, they're, yeah from proper artists there is andy warhol robert rauschenberg david novros forrest myers Although Forrest Myers, I don't think is... He's not an artist, he was the engineer that did this. He was the engineer that did this. And the other two were Klaus Oldenburg and John Chamberlain. But he, he did do some artwork, and I think he was like an engineer or a pioneer. This is the Myers guy that wanted to do it. The contribution by Andy Warhol is meant to be a stylized version of his initials. It can also look like a rocket ship at certain angles, and you can see where I'm going with this, that it also, and most strikingly, looks like a penis, which is very typical of Andy Warhol, and I actually found that quite annoying. Well, yeah, it's like, oh, you've not got into the spirit of this. Uh, you've, got, you've got some art on the moon, you know, what's the most profound thing? And then you look at the, what the other people have done, it's like, okay, right, fine. Like, no one has... Well, so, some of them, actually, the, the guy who's not the artist, Myers, I think is the best. Yes. <laughs> Which is good, but Rosenberg did a line. Yeah, it's meant to be like minimalist, and I think it's meant to be represent the horizon. But it it, it is just naff. It's just a line. Yeah. It, and I know you could make the argument that oh well, I got you talking about it, and it made you think about what it could be. That's what art's meant to be. It's like, yeah, but if you had the opportunity to draw something that will be on the moon and the first item to be on the moon, make an effort. Yeah. Especially Warhol drawing a penis. Yeah. So the others aren't as good. Although, yeah, the Mickey Mouse. I like that one. That, yeah. that, that one's quite... Put that on a t-shirt, that would yeah. sell. Do you know what? That, that would. That, that one is one that I'd be like, yes, that is of the time and of the style of the artist. Because here's a bigger version of it. The black square has intersecting lines because it's meant to look like a circuit board. So that one I'll allow. The one that just basically looks like a Celtic cross, that one's fine. Could be better but it's art still. It's better than the line. Yeah. <laughs> you, you must appreciate we're both scientists, so we're not, yeah. not artists as such. Not that they're mutually exclusive, but yes, I think more effort should have been put in. Admittedly, it could be the equivalent of high, you know, famous singer. Do you want to come and do some freebie singing work for me? Yeah. So it's a high artist. Do you want to do some freebie work? But I don't know. It's uh, getting on the moon. It is, and also these were prominent artists of the time, so it is meant to be an honour. Yeah. Although Andy Warhol was just like, oh, well, it's an inconvenience, I'll draw 
a yeah. penis. By the way, when I show this on YouTube, I think I'm going to have to actually pixelate it. Oh, right. When the New York Times reported on this, they had to cover up the actual Warhol contribution with the thumb. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put a photo up here and it's in the show notes as well. Um, this was not technically allowed because NASA never gave the go-ahead for the Moon Museum. It was snuck aboard. Oh, right. Just continuing the thing of sneak things onto spacecraft yeah, but as this per the tardigrades last time. Yeah, but this so, isn't as damaging, though. No. Although I just imagine loads of tardigrades now wandering across to go and look at the museum because <laughs> they've now been chucked on the moon without uh, anyone's permission. Or, and they're just like, well, what do we do now? Let's go and see the museum. Okay. Should we get that spider robot when that arrives? We've got the little tardigrades with berets and little goatees yeah. just opening up TripAdvisor being like, oh, the moon museum's got four out of five. Let's go check out that. Oh, it's closed on Sundays there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have to wait ages because a day on the moon just lasts for months. Oh, it's going to take us three months to get there and then it closes. <laughs> I, when I found out about Museum on the Moon, I thought, oh, that's quite a neat idea. Looked at the images and was 50% disappointed because three of them are kind of naff. But it did make me think, if I was given the opportunity to draw something and put it on the moon, what would I draw? So what would you draw, Rick? Oh, right. Okay. Come to me first. I would probably draw a sort of MC Escher type cube thing. One of those impossible cubes. Like what he's done with the sort of, Yeah, and it's like, oh, actually, he's, he's kind of already done it. But it's <laughs> just, just to confuse people in the future, make them think we're cleverer than we really are. If you, if you imagine someone in th a thousand years' time judging civilization on that, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> you just generally rubbish. Whereas if you, you know, some sort of clever pattern using prime numbers and the Fibonacci sequence to show, ah, yes, we've, or the Ryman hypothesis, or so, I, I don't know, to prove, yes, look, this is the state of science and maths that we are at, and this is, this okay. is the best visual image. Something clever where people go, ah, you know, and you have to do a bit of studying to understand it. You're talking about the golden record on Voyager. Well, yeah, so it's very similar to the Voyager one. Yeah, yeah. okay, because that has the Fibonacci sequence on yeah. and whatnot. Yes, no, no, I know what you mean. I should point out, this museum is probably about the size of your thumb. Yeah. And it's embedded into a leg of a space lander. So I don't think they're going to see the lander and go like, wow, this this civilization's amazing. Wait, what's that on the leg? Oh, it's a, it's a willy. Let's write off this species. <laughs> they're clearly idiots. Uh, okay, yeah, fine. But that, that's what I do. I think that's more appropriate. Yeah, I, th I think you're right there. That's what I do. What would you do then? Uh, I've been racking my brains trying to think of what I, I would do. And I've been drawing a blank. I can't think of anything that I would do. I'd like to do something personal. Maybe put a significant date for me and my wife. Maybe put... Put your initials. I was thinking in the initials. shape of a body part. Uh, not not quite. Maybe because Lunatic is my baby at the moment. I, I'm throwing all my energy into that. Maybe the channel logo. I think that that would be something. Although it is just a big L. It is. Yeah, it is a moon related thing at least. It is. It is. So I think maybe the channel logo, not for brand purposes, but because this is something that's dedicated to moons of the solar system. So it's not corporate branding, advertising on the moon. No, this would actually have a purpose. At least, at least that's what that's the mental gymnastics I've done to come to the conclusion that it's okay to put a logo on the moon. So all in all, okay, there's a museum on the moon. By that you mean a set of six very small pictures, three of which are kind of rubbish. Yes. Isn't that every gallery though? Basically, yeah. Like, it's always smaller than you think it's going to be, and only half the artwork is actually any good. 
Uh, so we spent too much time critiquing art, so we'll probably run out of time to actually talk about everything wrong with Moonraker, so we'll make time for it next time. Yes, that long-running feature that will keep going. I think I, I've looked at the next, like, two minutes of video, and I thought, oh, there's only one thing wrong in my notes, and it's like, oh, no, actually, there's a whole load. Uh, that That's going to fill up another segment, so, yeah, we'll do that next time. Brilliant. And hopefully, you two, too, will have broken the record for the longest-running Moon Rover, and... It would be quite nice to celebrate that and make the joke again. Do you like U2 too, Rick? I do like U2 as well. Hooray! Oh, hang on. <laughs>should we record two versions of, if it went well no i'm i'm going to wing it i'm going to right. i'm going to say well it'll be fine yeah that was great i can't imagine an any more informative clip than what we've just heard